This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I tend to skewer people with one line. But I ranted at this guy, Nate Oates. I mean, I did. Oh. I got on TV on Friday, and I just went off saying that if I were Mike Krzyzewski and I would do a variety of things, including schedule Nick, uh, Nate Oates' high school, Romulus High School, in, in Michigan and try to beat them by 200 points. I just went nuts. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. All righty, then we are at full strength now. Michael is back, six feet one inches away from me at Uncle Benny's table. Nigel and Sean are running things. Um, I wanted to open with, uh, I wanted to thank Mike Breen. Many of you know Mike Breen, who does such a great job on the ESPN basketball telecast, working with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, although he almost didn't work with Jeff Van Gundy starting this year because the owner of the Houston Rockets wanted to hire Jeff Van Gundy. And neither Russell Westbrook nor James Harden did, so he didn't hire him. And now they're both going to be, one is gone and the other one is going. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But Mike Breen apparently listens, and I'm grateful for that. I always, I, every once in a while I find out somebody listens, and I go, wow, I had, I had no idea. He sent me um, some golf balls, and he personally ins- had, them, he had them inscribed to me in ways that I didn't know you could do. For example, they're Titleist, they're Pro-Vs, and... Titleist always has, it says Titleist on the golf ball, and there's a number. Yeah, the most recognizable script. Right, everybody knows what the Titleist logo looks like. And then there's a number, and I'd I just... would rather be driving a Titleist. Right, and I just assumed that the number was the catalog of their numbers, one, two, three, four, or whatever. the high numbers. Well, yeah, whatever they wanted to do. Well, well, apparently, which, Michael, you knew and I didn't know... You can inscribe the number as well as something on the side well, of the I ball. Well, I figured you might have been aware of this little trick based on the habits of one of your playing partners. Had a personalized number in I know, the mid-40s. But I, I, yes, but I just thought they gave him those golf balls. I mean, I didn't know that he could get those done. I just assumed those were gifts from Titleist to 44. But in any case, Mike Breen gave me one box of balls that says Titleist 72 and says TK 72 and one box anticipating I'll make it to next year that says <laughs> Titleist 73 and TK 73 on but the here's, side. Here's At, my worry for yeah. TK 73 on the side. Yeah. The font color, which you can also red. choose has changed. It's and red. The red font is what makes me nervous. Like the sunrise from this morning. So, oh, so you think it'll be a bad year because it's red? Oh, it can be worse than this year. So. Yeah, right. The sunrise this morning was was uh, Sailor's Lament. It was really bad. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. And I told Breen what I would tell people is, yeah, that's what I usually shoot, either 72 or 73, yeah, and not say it was my age or anything like that. But I, that was very nice. I'm happy for that. I also got another gift. I got a gift. I don't know if if, if other people, if this happens to other people. Like now gifts are sort of put down on the porch you know, people deliver them and they put them down on your porch or your stoop or whatever, and then they walk away. So I walked out 
yesterday. It was chilly. It was over freezing, but it was probably in the 30s, high 30s. Five or six below the average. When I, when I saw a box that said it was a cake. Said it had baked goods, Rowena or something like that, baked goods. Well, you didn't have to worry about refrigeration. No, but I was afraid it would freeze or something. So I brought it in and I opened it up and it was a cake and it was from my friend Michael Farr. And I and I it was it's a lovely pound cake with an with a, a frosting, with an icing, whatever that would be called. Oh, Chan would like this. I'm yeah, I'm not a cake person, but I'm very excited about this. And so I wrote him a text in which I thanked him very much and I said this is the most goyish present I have ever gotten in my life. <laughs> I just can't. I don't think anybody for Hanukkah gives a cake. Maybe they do. Maybe I've missed it. But it was just a cake laying on my porch. And I just thought, wow. And so I wrote him that note. And he said, I've made an appointment with the Monsignor for you to begin your conversion <laughs> lesson. So I just, hey, didn't, didn't drop off the jelly rings that you asked for? No, no, not the joy of the jelly rings. No, Still no. Still in no. the freezer? Yeah. So, no, we're done with those. We're, we're done with those. Um, one other thing, I don't know if I mentioned this before, that we were in the process of getting a boiler replaced and a water tank replaced. And on Monday evening, I was told there would be no heat. No heat. I walked downstairs where the people were working, and they said, yeah, there's going to be no heat tonight. Well, it's not officially winter yet, is it? Well, but it was going to be into the 20s, and I said, and I think I said something like this, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, we're not going to have that. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to have heat. And I was a little aggressive, I would say, and I had to apologize for my behavior, and they said, okay, we'll give you heat, and they gave me heat. When I woke up in the morning, it was 79 degrees in the house. Welcome to hell. It was just really hot. Now, it, is, it was adjusted yesterday, and I'm grateful for that, but it was really, it was way too hot. Yeah, don't mess with the guys who, who no. regulate so, the heat. So it was very hot, and anyway, I think, I think we're good. I think I'm good with these guys. I'm not sure. I hope I am. I hope there's no thing that they press a button and then tonight it's 87 degrees in the morning because this was this was what we like to call an ira kornheiser situation where i would come and see my dad slam a 50 on the table and say turn the air conditioning up well, maybe if you offered the guy some of those 50s this was well, you wouldn't be I, in the process i actually did give them a 50 and i said go have dinner because they stayed late go oh, have 150 dinner. yeah i gave them one for the two of them okay what Boy, oh boy, it's so great you're spending other people's money, isn't it? <clears throat> it's so great when you do that. I have a story about, not for today, but another day. Anyway, so in terms of sports, there is, uh, there are a few big stories, but the largest story at the moment is Giannis Antetokounmpo staying in Milwaukee, signing a five-year extension. He had one year left, so five years binds him for a total of six. He has an out after four that's not an out after one or two, which is what LeBron James always tried to get. It's an out after four years. So he has committed himself to Milwaukee. This surprised me. He's a great player. He's been the MVP two years in a row, undeservedly to me, because what did they win? They didn't win anything. They didn't get to the, they didn't get to the finals. They didn't even get to the finals. So I don't know how the guy's the MVP. The MVP is the guy in Los Angeles. He's the MVP all the time. LeBron James, not, not the previous year when they didn't make the playoffs, but he was the MVP last year for sure, as far as I was concerned. Anyway, he's committed to Milwaukee, and I did not think he would do this. I thought he would entertain free agency. I thought he might like to be recruited. Now, he would have made less money. He is making an unbelievable sum of money. 
when I say this amount of money, it, it's stunning. For five years, he will make $228 million. One quarter of a billion. A billion dollars. This is an average of 45 plus million dollars a year. John Wall's getting like 43 and you're going, oh. Uh, de Kumpo, you might say, is worth it, though nobody's worth it. Nobody's worth that kind of money. It's an unbelievable sum of money. It will affect his lineage for the rest of all their lives for generations to come. It's, it's unbelievable. If he were to have gone somewhere else and gotten $190 million, the exact same sentence would be true. It would have affected his lineage for generations to come. It's an unbelievable sum of money. We give athletes so much money. And fans don't seem to get angry at this, even though it is unlikely, unlikely that most people who root for these teams will in their lifetimes accumulate three or four million dollars. It's unlikely. But they are happy when a guy signs a deal which pays him $45 million a year. I, in thinking about this, here's my miscalculation. It's not a miscalculation. It's just that I don't know anything about a person who was born, I think, in Africa, I'm not sure, but went to Greece with his parents as a very young boy and his brothers, grew up in a country totally foreign to me, then moved completely lock, stock, and barrel to another country. So I don't know what makes him tick. Had he been born and raised in the United States, I might have said, yeah, He's going to go like LeBron James. He's going to let himself be courted. He's going to see what's going on. LeBron James changed all of sports, but particularly the NBA, when he just started, you know, as an itinerant, going wherever he wanted to go to put together a good team to see if he could win a title. And in his wake, many people, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, now Russell Westbrook, James Harden, they do the same thing. They say, I'm not staying here, not one more day. I'm going to go where I want to go, and you're, not going to, you're powerless to stop me, even though I have a contract to stay here. What Antetokounmpo did was old school. It was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, the team that drafted me. That's where I'm staying. That's why they call these larger contracts the bird rights, because they, in order to persuade you to stay on the team where you were, they allowed that team to give you significantly more money than if you went somewhere else. And these, right, Nigel, these call the bird rights, right? That's absolutely that was, right. That was done for Larry Bird. And Larry Bird stayed. And Magic Johnson stayed. And a lot of people stayed. They just stayed. Julius Irving would have stayed in New York. He was sold to Philadelphia because the owner of the New York Nets didn't have enough money to get into the NBA from the ABA, and he had to get some money. So he sold Julius Irving for $6 million, which in those days close to 50 years ago, was an unbelievable sum of money. I mean, you know, the, the, the numbers have changed. But whatever is huge at that time is huge at that time. So this is odd to me. It sets the East for quite some time. Now, Boston and Philadelphia and Miami and Toronto, they now know this guy's going to be there. He's going to be there essentially for their lifetime. I mean, five years in the NBA is just a really, really long time. So you're going to have to gear up to stop him. And then what Milwaukee, we'll see what Milwaukee will do. I mean, Wilbon mistakenly feels that, you know, I said, oh, he'll go to I-95. I didn't say that at all. Most people go to Los Angeles or Miami. So one's on five and one's on 95. I mean, because for a variety of reasons. But Milwaukee doesn't get free agents. The last great player in Milwaukee had truly, truly, surpassingly great 
was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who won a championship there and said, would you please trade me now? Which seemed fair to me. You win a title, but they haven't won any more titles. The Milwaukee Brewers, the Milwaukee Braves won some titles and then moved to Atlanta. The Milwaukee Brewers have never won the World Series. They've never won. The Green Bay Packers, they got a bunch of them. There's no hockey team in that area. So I wasn't critical of Milwaukee. I'm happy for Milwaukee. We have listeners in Milwaukee. You know, good for Milwaukee. But I, I didn't... I didn't think it would happen. I thought, I thought he'd want to leave, and I don't know who else they get. It's a tough place. Toronto got no free agents. Chicago has difficulty getting free agents. Milwaukee has difficulty. It's freezing. It's cold. It's a rough place to be. What are your thoughts on Sure, but it's a little bit easier when you know you might be playing next to him, even if it's for the four years. That's I love right. the old school nature of it. I love that it plays against what LeBron has done really now for a decade, which yes. is move every other year and try and build your big three. And then the trickle down effect from that in the last couple of years is how can I then start to hand out championships to other players whom I think are deserving? Uh, and, and I think if you, you were surprised that he didn't want to have the courtship of free agency. Yeah. Why? If you actually look at his background, it, it could it's totally conceivable that you come to a city like Milwaukee, he which loves is it. the right size. And the first thing he says in his post is, this is my home. This is my city. I'm obviously adding some emphasis there. But you still are traveling to those uh, to, you know, to Los Angeles, to New York, to Miami. You're still going on those trips, but you might feel more comfortable there as someone who is the outsider that we've never been. Right. So, so yeah, I am influenced. And the money makes no, it makes no matter. You're going to get, get money. Yeah. You're going to get money. You're going to get enough money. Um, I'm influenced by the notion of where I've grown up and where I've lived. Bright lights, big city. So I am. Um, but I'm. But how about the promise of this? You've had two really big shortcomings in the playoffs in the last two years. And how much bigger could those bright lights be if you're able to bring more success to that city? It's a wonderful thing for Milwaukee. The Go down to 9th Street, pick up a beer from Milwaukee Brewing Company. Yeah, the, we know the people there, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? The, um, the, the owner of, of the Milwaukee Bucks said it's one of the great days in the history of Milwaukee, and it is. Uh, there is no question about that. And I'm, what I said on the PTI show was, look, I didn't expect this, but good for him. I'm happy for him. If he's happy, I'm happy for him. Now, you know, now I'll see if you can go out and win. I don't know. I don't know if that team's good enough to win right now. There are other teams better in the league, but we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it is what Giannis Antetokounmpo did can be contrasted very easily with what James Harden is trying to do. Very easily. And you see it. James Harden, by the way, played a little bit last night and looked like he gained the requisite COVID-19. He looked a little thick in the middle, didn't he? Didn't he look a little thick in the middle to anybody? Or just me? Who, yeah, it's not bit. like I'm talking to anybody directly. Is, <laughs> I mean, it's not like anybody can answer. Hey, Tony, let me just call you and tell you, yeah. I, yeah. All right, so we'll get out of here now. When we come back, we're going to try. We're going to go old school. We're going to smiling. Tr- yeah, we're going to recreate. Um, we're going to recreate what we used to do in the studio. We're going to have a news segment. Jeannie's going to join us, and we're going to have a news segment. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new ad, um, and I'm happy to read it. I'm just going to read it straight. I haven't read it before, but it's about a movie. The Christmas season is officially upon us, and while there's a lot about the holidays that feels different this year, I know one thing that might make them just a little bit brighter. Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out on December 25th, and you'll have two ways to experience the epic adventure, in theaters and streaming exclusively on HBO Max. Believe in Wonder Again with Gal Gadot, is that pronounced correctly? Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro, pa- Pedro Pascal. I'm unfamiliar with his work. 
Wonder Woman 1984 is rated PG-13 and sure to be a wonderful way to celebrate the holiday season with the ones you love. I know that the first Wonder Woman was a real big hit. Um, why is this Wonder Woman 1984? Nigel, you follow movies. Why is it? Why did they set it there? Do you know? Uh, a bit of time travel, I think, uh, and to reintroduce a character from the first Wonder Woman, Chris Pine. Uh, will be coming back. The great thing is they were filming in Georgetown. I, I remember seeing all the film trucks when they were going. Was oh, that right? Uh, yeah. So, um, so I'm I'm very interested to see how DC is incorporated into this. Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max. I just gave him three seconds because I like the idea of this. <laughs> this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Dan. We played his music before. His band is the Dirty Rooks. They're a Chicago band. He's been listening to the show since we switched to the podcast. They released a new album that they've been working on for the past two plus years. It's taken that long, not because we are geniuses who use every moment to create a masterpiece, but because we changed personnel a couple of times during the recording. Some babies were born to some of us and life kind of happened. Anyway, as a nod to the process of recording the album and due to the fact that it's a little varied in genre, we called it Camel based on the observation that a camel is just a horse created by committee. This is called Cassandra, right? This is called Cassandra. That's right. By the by, the Dirty Rooks, and it plays in Gene McManus. And let me just set this up a little bit. Every once in a while, um, I get particularly thoughtful emails that are sent to me or, um, yeah, emails that are sent to me. And they talk about the show and how much they like the show. And everybody seems to be impressed and grateful for the the connections that we have with you know the spider-like web that goes out and and connects everybody and i got this one email from sean reese who i've known for a while who just said how wonderful it is when the regulars are on and we haven't done that because we don't sit in the studio anymore and we've pivoted on the show and changed it a little bit more sports oriented than before and Michael and I and Nigel and I talked and we thought one of the segments that we loved was the news segment when Nigel would come in with three or four stories and Jeannie and Gary and Tori and Chris and David and all of us, you know, three at a time would sit around and talk about those news stories. So we're going to attempt to do that today. And if it works out, um, integrate it more into the show. I will say that the, the we didn't try to do this with Kevin's weather forecast, although that worked very well. Uh, we have a lot of email on that from people who are still listening because it seemed to have gone on for five to six days. He's one for and, one so far. Yeah, he got he's got this snow. This was the Southern Slider, so he's that got was this. Twist by Zaxby's. Is that that's that's yeah. what that was? Have you ever been with Zaxby's, by the way? No, but it's funny. After Kevin mentioned them, I went online. Their chicken looked delicious. <laughs> yeah. I think they're popular in the South. Yeah, there's one right by my in-laws. Is that right? A Zaxby's? Yeah, I've never been to a Zaxby's. I've never been to a Sonic. I've never been to a Johnny Rockets. They all look good to me, but they don't look good to me because I've never seen any of them. But I think I might go. Is Zaxby's, is, is that a drive through I can be. Yeah, okay. So let's start. Let's start with this one story, and that is snow and the panic over snow in Washington, D.C., for the last four or five days, I've been looking at my phone, um, and, and it, the, it always varies. It got as high as four to eight inches two days ago for today and this afternoon and tonight, and then it, then it went down 
to one to three, but it's sort of been in the one to six range, which is a lot. But Gina, you were on Chuck Bell Watch this morning. What did he say? I've been all over it with Chuck. He, needless to say, is extremely happy. Um, <laughs> but he's he's in some sort of a studio. He's not out roaming around in the weather van. So four by four. He's stationary <laughs> right now. But so he says, starting around noon. A couple of inches, one to three. But we are in, in his words, the battle zone, because then that snow will turn to rain okay. during the day, but then it will get colder tonight, and it will turn to snow again, and then we'll freeze over. So tomorrow, <laughs> lickety split, <laughs> put, put, out, put the salt on the driveway. Well, let me, let me say that. In my neighborhood... There's salt all over the place. All the roads in my neighborhood have been salted. They're out with a heavy hand this morning. So, but you say, Michael, that they just, on the top it, it of the hill. Like, it looked like they opened the back of the truck and someone just shoveled it out at the intersection, hoping your car would distribute it. So it's like the Sheehan boys. Oh, yeah. They're overusing yeah. the salt. So we have, so we have that. Is there, is you there. You can tell where they turned left. I'll say that. Here's the, pro, here's the thing that scares me the most, Gene, if it turns to ice. I don't want ice. Because well, then I'm going to break my ribs. Because the rain will wash away all of this salt and sand that they've been diligently putting down. Right. And so it will freeze and turn into ice unless they get back at it before that happens. I don't want, I, I don't want, I don't like snow and I don't even drive anywhere anymore. I mean, I know that where, this where is. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere, just to my attic. It's so heartbreaking for Melissa Molay, but I, I don't. No. Well, she's, she's very concerned about the traffic tomorrow morning. I will say that. Good for her. Good for her. This just makes me laugh. Think about years past, going to the Giant or the Safeway the day before a storm, and now you're like, I'm good. I have everything I could possibly need. People will deliver. That's changed our lives. The, the delivery has changed. Jeannie, you no. told me you stopped watching sports. I, I don't know if you've watched this. I watched last night. I watched about an hour, an hour and a half of a Bee Gees documentary. A Bee Gees documentary. Have you seen any of it? Well, so I was interested, and so I set it up to be recorded, and I went to watch it, and it was recorded, except it was in Spanish. And <laughs> sadly, I took French in high school and college. I wish I had taken Spanish. Oh, thanks, visitation. Um, so then I tried to get it, and it turns out I needed HBO Max, which I find it impossible to believe that I don't have, because I have everything else right, right. i will get hbo max because i want to watch all these christmas movies that are coming out um so i i can tell you that i watched some of it in spanish because of course when you hear the songs they're not seeing them in spanish they're seeing them in english but it was sort of the transitions in between those songs that i had trouble <laughs> translating did you like the bgs where would you put the bgs on the greater spectrum I did not like the Bee Gees. I would put them very, very low on my personal spectrum. Though I was impressed with the number of musicians in that documentary who were speaking with praise about the Bee Gees. So I think the Bee Gees were quite, they were a quite good vocal group. I enjoyed listening to them from the beginning. Uh, I don't think they did anything great or earth shattering with the exception of disco which i don't i never particularly like but they they styled their own comeback with the staying alive stuff and and all of that i never found them to be a compelling rock and roll band they were a vocal group 
you know, that they were a vocal group and, and that's fine, but they weren't the Beatles. You know, they, they, they were not transformational. There was nothing like that. I watched a bunch of this and, you know, the, of the three brothers, two are no longer with us. Yeah. Only the, only the oldest Barry Gibb, um, survives now living in Miami as he's been for about 35 or 40 years. And I watched this and, and a bunch of times I just thought, well, why am I watching this anymore? What is, what is this about? Okay. So this is, this is my criticism differently from the Eagles documentary. The Eagles documentary, it seemed to me, had a linear thread, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, and took you behind the curtain a number of times. A number of times. This thing just is, looks like footage that had been collected over a number of years. And my problem with this is, and I don't know when this happened, is there a rule, Jeannie, that all documentaries can't have narration? that they just have to sort of go in, in lurches, you know, as, as directors put them together without a bridge, without narration, without sort of an intelligent guiding hand? Or am I the only one that, that is disturbed by that? No, I don't think that that's universally true. I mean, I, I've actually been watching a bunch of documentaries lately, I, 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 and I can't comment specifically on the narration or lack of narration in this documentary because Cause it, it was Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Um, well, if you <laughs> trust me, there's. I it, it, agree it, with you about the Eagles, and it it seems like a lot of documentaries do just go to talking heads. That's it. That's all it is. They just identify them and they talk for a little while, then they move to somebody else who talks for a little while. Right. I, it's. I don't like that. I mean, I don't think that's fair. I think the fairness is when there's a guiding hand that's visible to me. Like I, the HBO sports documentaries, Lee Schreiber used to narrate them. They're great. Yeah. All of them are great. There's they a are. story. They tell you. Here's my point. I'm just thinking of it. They tell you why you're watching this. Mm-hmm. Because at various times, I sat up in bed and I said, actually out loud, why am I watching this? You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> so, and I, then I stopped. Of falsettos, so yeah, they do it great though. They do, yeah, they do it great, yeah. So, and they do. All right, all right, Nigel. What are our news stories? Well, before I get into the news, uh, Jeannie, I'm just curious. Would you rate the Bee Gees above or below Three Dog Night? Slightly above. Slightly above. <laughs> That's all. <Okay>. Just slightly <laughs> above. Slightly. I mean, they did beautiful, beautiful songs. It's only words, and words are all I have. Here's Come on, who, they did. Here's who did beautiful songs. The Drifters did beautiful songs, okay? And the, B- the Bee Gees the love the Drifters. Did yeah, the beautiful Be- songs. I right. don't think the Bee Gees did beautiful songs. They did pop songs. They did falsetto vibrato pop songs. You didn't think, uh, you didn't think 1941 Mining Desire, Disaster was oh. a beautiful song when you first heard it? Oh, hated that song. <laughs> really? I okay. hated songs that are, are just narrative songs that just sort of try to tell a story. And I, and I see that they're trying to tell it emotionally, but it, they don't have much musical value to me, those songs. Before we get to the news, can I do one other thing? Because we're going to get to it later. You felt exactly the same way I did about Chuck Yeager not being on A1, right? Yes. Yes. That was a horror. I mean, to put Alex Trebek on A1 where he belonged, to put John Le Carré on A1, where he belonged, 
but not to put Chuck Yeager on A1? See, this is what old journalists do. We sit around and we second guess existing journalists. He's the most important pilot of all time after the Wright brothers. Exactly. He's two. They're one. That's the list. That's all there is. And Sam Shepard played him fabulously in the, in the right movie. Yeah, it's just really good. Okay, Nigel, go ahead. Give us a new story. Uh, okay, Mr. Tony, one after what was an incredibly long booth review, uh, it appears as if your presidential election has been decided. Uh, as Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, the Electoral College has spoken, so today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. So that's so great. Be Wouldn't it be so great if you saw guys in referee shirts for the last four <laughs> weeks and they're just looking at it and you heard Tony Romo say, well, this angle from this angle, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Take it off the headset. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I mean, what do we make of this, Gene? Uh, this is though. If McConnell says it, that then then it, it all stops. Right. It all stops. Uh, I don't think there's any guarantee that it will ever stop myself. Um as for McConnell saying it, after, what, 37 days after the election, all I can say is how gracious of him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what else? Uh, Mr. Tony, some good, some good news on the vaccine front. It appears if a second oh, vaccine, uh, this one developed by the biotech company Moderna, was highly effective in its clinical trial, con contained no serious safety concerns, and it appears likely that uh, your FDA will uh, uh, approve it on Friday. Um, and it's a two-shot regimen, and with as many as 6 million doses going to be shipped out next week, uh, its first full week of of, uh, six million doesn't feed the bulldog. Okay, we have three hundred million people in the country, so no, six that's million. Just, that's okay, just but is thing. this is this one of those that needs that refrigeration as well, or is this one not the you, super freezer? You, so yes. you can just keep this in your in your. But there's no, a greater needs, there's a greater length of days okay. between freezing, but not as much as the first one. Yes, apparently there's one coming out. Um, it's supposed to come out from Johnson and Johnson. They expect it'll get approved in February. That is one shot and does not have the cold restrictions on it. So that's another one that's in the works. So there'll be three available. So that that's better. But I mean, you know, my problem originally was somebody came out and said we're ninety percent effective after somebody had said we're eighty-two percent effective, and then the next day the eighty-two percent effective said, "Wait, we're ninety-six percent effective." And you go, "Really?" <laughs> In, in a day? Late votes did, coming in. Yeah, that's right. The late results from, you know, from the inner counties in Philadelphia. And now we're 96% effective. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask people that I know which one I should take. What are you going to do, Gene? Take the first one that lands in my doctor's office. That's the one I'm going to take. Yeah, I, I want to I take it as soon as I can take it. I think you and I, Gina, I think we're in the first group where we're at the sort of back end of the first group. No, because underlying no. conditions. If you were our age and had some underlying conditions, I do. I do. Whoop, whoop, is is baldness head. considered an underlying condition? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. What else do you have, Jeannie? Your phone is breaking up. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's breaking up. The, a little the bit. news about the refrigeration is huge because not every. Hospital. area has the access to the hospitals yeah. that we have and that's a huge cost yeah and i mean and and what you really want in most of those freezers is like ice cream you know you just want to make sure there's ice yeah, cream the original if you need graders it. yeah yeah all right what else all right nigel let's do another story do something funny and we'll get out 
Okay, we'll do something funny. Uh, Mr. Tony, this is a story we kept our eyes on. It's actually from September, but it's still valid today. And I want to make sure we alert uh, our listeners about this. Yes, this is when it was first made headlines. Only Nigel. Yes. <laughs> I just want to read you the headline from this. Wild hog populations are soaring in what experts <laughs> call a feral swine bomb. That's right. There are about 9 million feral hogs in your country currently, and the beasts cause an estimated 2.5 billion dollars worth of damage. That's B billion. Uh, well, wait, wait, expert, wait, wait. What? What is the damage they do? What are they doing? They rip uh, your lungs out, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, they just destroy property everywhere, and they're and they're oh. completely uncontained, and they breed very prodigiously. That's why this one bloke, whose name is. Dale Nolte, manager of the National Feral Swine Damage Management Program. Uh, seems like a very specific program. He said, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard it referred to as a feral swine bomb. They multiply so rapidly to go from 1,000 to 2,000, it's not a big deal. But if you go to a million, it doesn't, long to get to take to, it doesn't take long to get to 4 million, then 8 million. Over the last three decades, the wild hog population has expanded from 17 states to at least 39. And by the end of this calendar year, they're, ex- they're expected to occupy 386,000 square miles across your country. So this is obviously a problem that I didn't see it addressed in either one of the presidential debates nor the vice presidential debate. So this seems like something that you guys should really have your um, be on top. I of. have I have deer on my street. I haven't seen any wild swine bombs. Gene, have you seen any of those? You don't want Chessie chasing that thing over the fence, okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, I'll tell you, this is what we do. This is the first thing we do. We dig a big pit. <laughs> because have you ever been to a roast pig party? They are so uh, actually, fun. actually, I have once in my life. Uh, Jim Valvano took me to one in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I have actually been to that. Levitard's house. Yeah. Oh, uh, Levitard. Uh, Levitard's dad. Uh, they roasted, roasted over a, a chain link fence. Yeah, on Christmas. Yeah. 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 So I've been to two. So, yeah. So that's what. That, get, get, Michael, get out in the yard, start digging. And when one comes, it just falls in there. And then we put a lot of coals in there and some apples and ginger. I don't like ginger. Well, I wouldn't expect the ginger. I don't like ginger. Yeah, Makes know, me go to the bathroom. I and like I once literally TMI. wandered into a roast pig party in our neighborhood. We could smell something wonderful cooked. And so we came out, you know, as if we were in a trance and followed the scent and wandered into this backyard where there was this huge roast pig party and nobody knew whether we were invited or not. And it was so good. And they had apples and ginger in it. Well, it's not like they didn't have enough food. So they were happy to have you, probably. No, no, that's our invitation, fortunately. I mean, these pigs weigh hundreds of pounds, don't they? Yeah. They're they're really big. They mow down crops, attack livestock, and destroy plants and precious habitats. And they say it's a mix of domestic breeds and European wild boars, which means they inherit the intelligent good sense of smell uh, from the wild ones. And then uh, the abundant fertility from the domestic one. So it really, it really is a bad situation. Well, you know what they say, wild one, I'm going to tame you down. All right. <laughs> that was good. All right. It's thanks, Jeannie. All right. Bye, boys. All right. We're going to come back with Chuck Todd, who's going to pick games. I always like when he does that. And we'll probably ask him just about the Mitch McConnell statement at some point. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
This is the policy genius ad, and they say, please do not read verbatim. Personalize, rotate, and make this your own. Boom. Done. But, I, but to me, you know, that somebody spent a lot of time writing this, and it's better than I can say it, so we'll start. If you're looking for a fast and easy way to put some money back in your pocket, why not reshop your home and auto insurance rates with Policy Genius? So if I don't read it verbatim, I would say this. If you're looking for a fast and easy way to put some money back in your pants, why not reshop your home and auto insurance rate with Policy Believe Genius? Believe it's a pant. Yeah, or this one. Policy Genius combines a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save their home and auto customers an average of $1,000 per year. Better yet, it's really simple to use. And I would change that to Policy Genius combines a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save their home and auto customers an average of $1,000 a year. Better yet, it's easy to use. See? See how I did that? Uh, go to policygenius.com. Answer a few trick, few quick questions. Not trick questions. That's a bad rating. Say, I didn't, I, I changed it. Answer a few trick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius does the rest. They'll compare rates from over 30 top insurers from progressive to nationwide to find the lowest quotes. Their licensed experts will look at all the way to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. So if you're feeling the pinch during the holiday season, find out how much you could save on home and auto insurance at PolicyGenius.com. They have saved their home and auto insurance customers an average of $1,000 a year by reshopping. Everybody could use that. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the dirty rooks. They can be found on Bandcamp. All you got to do is search for the Dirty Rooks. And this is a very dirty Christmas playing in Chuck Todd. Let's listen a little bit. Oh, come on, everybody. It's a Christmas time of year. Gonna tell you the story. Gonna spread a little holiday cheer. Oh, this got the Jerry Lee Lewis thing going on. Yeah. It's great. Michael, if people like the Dirty Rooks want to send in a, their original music, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Chuck Todd joins us now. A tough week, two and five. He he salvaged the Sunday night game and the Monday night game, but going out of Sunday afternoon, he was 0-5. You were so confident of Kyle Shanahan beating the football was, team, right? That you were was com- a bad, yeah, that was a big whiff. I was yeah. hugely confident. I don't know what happened. I... I, I, I Where's the vengeance? You know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on. I count on, I count on irrational behavior to sometimes trump a lot of things. I mean, that's that's what makes gaming gambling. Yeah, and I count on Trump for irrational behavior. So you see how I did that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The one the one game that I thought you were going to get wrong was was the Rams game with New England. I mean, I I thought the Rams were going to win that game, but you were confident you know, in. The- by the time I was, and you know, it was interesting, by the time that thing went out at, you gave me six and a half, right? Yeah. If I remember, it ended up going at four and a half. I actually, in, in with real money, took the Rams at four and a half. It was that six number that had me nervous. And the minute it went down, which a lot of people did, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'll take, I'll start, I'll go when it dips below six. So, it was six, not six uh, and a half. Wrong. I gave you six. six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It ended right. up, I think, four and a half by kickoff. 
Let's go to um, let's go to this week's lineup. We'll start with Buffalo minus six and a half. We have so many road favorites this year, yeah. really a lot of them. Buffalo six and a half at Denver. This is obviously influenced by what happened on Sunday night when Buffalo looked so good. This is a bigger number than I than I thought would happen. It's not that I think Denver is good. It's that I didn't really think that Buffalo was particularly explosive on offense. Six and a half. You got to score a lot of points to cover. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I would normally would want to take uh, Denver at home, um, and one of the reasons I would say it would be the altitude, except this guy played at Wyoming, Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not going to be a big deal to him. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of veterans. I, I don't love this game. I'm going to take Buffalo because I don't trust the Broncos, but this is a lot of points. Um, I agree with that. It's a lot, six and a half. Ah, it's I a lot. I just don't feel good about being on – you know what? Give me Broncos. You know, really? It's the right. It's the right side. It's too many points. And Buffalo has been almost. You know, this is one of those where you feel like everybody's going to be on Buffalo. This line looks inflated. It shouldn't be six and a half. I think they're the second best team in the AFC. Don't get me wrong, but this is one of those. And maybe they're rolling, and maybe they become. You know, but I'm not. I'm talking myself into the Broncos because it's too many points. I would say that Buffalo had peaked for the Sunday night game, and if there was a little bit of a letdown, this is the game you will see it on the road. Not that they will lose it, but there might be a little Correct, bit of letdown. Isn't six and a half a lot? Yeah. Yes. You, can see, a, you yeah. can see the field goal. Oh, Buffalo survived this. Good team survived. Tough games on the road. Yeah, but I, I agree with that. Yeah. Tampa Bay is minus six at Atlanta. Atlanta no longer has anything to play for, obviously. Tampa Bay won last week. You did not have Tampa Bay. They won, but if the field goal kicker for the other team was any good, they could have lost that game. Tampa Bay did not look great, even though Bruce Arians maintains we are great now. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I am. This is more for me about the Falcons. First of all, I don't. I feel like Atlanta is one of those teams. You never. I never am on the right side, whatever the side is, with them. Um, but they look I, – I had a little bit of confidence in them last week, and they didn't look so – I think it's done. Um, and they, they may have folded for the season. So I'm, I'm betting – this is a case where I'm just stating the Falcons. I don't – I'm with you on Tampa Bay. That doesn't look like a team that's going very far. Um, who, uh, who lasts longer in Tampa Bay, the coach or the quarterback? Oh, I think that um, the quarterback lasts one more year, uh, and so does the coach, and, and then it's over for both of them. I Who think it's one more in? year. Who does he bring in? Josh McDaniels? Like, <sighs> the quarterback hire is the coach. Yeah, if he stays there, yeah, he would probably Josh McDaniels because he knows all about offense. That's all he knows is offense. That's all he knows. Yeah. Brady, that's all he knows. Anyway. Yeah, um, I, anyway, give me, give, me, give, me the, give me Tampa. All right. Uh, New England on the road getting two and a half at Miami. New England, um, the, the record against Miami with Belichick is astonishing. It's like the record against Buffalo with Belichick and the record against the Jets with that. But Miami's good this year. This is the, Miami's a pretty good team, and New England may be cashing in the chips at this point, having lost, and they have no playoffs to play for. Brian Flores is a pup and the best one so far. Well, also Mike Vrabel, the best pups out of Belichick so far. If you like Miami, you're giving two and a half. Man, doesn't this line, shouldn't it be higher? Yes. Yeah, and this is it, it, yes. like, this is one of those you're like, all right, they know something. 
it, it scares me a little bit because um, this should be four and a half or five. Yeah, yeah, should be a, yep. it should be a couple points higher because Cam Newton doesn't look so good. Nope, can't um, pass. I'm going to take the Dolphins, but but I'm, I'm I'll circle this. We'll we'll if we lose this, we'll talk about well. This is what happens with Belichick. You got to be careful betting against him too many times in a row. But okay, give me the Dolphins. Chicago is a division game. They scored a lot of points last week. Mitch Trubisky looked good. Matt Nagy uh, may have saved his job there at Minnesota. Minnesota may be on the verge of packing it in, having lost to Tampa Bay. This is an, an interesting game in that regard. It is divisional. Minnesota's a better team than Chicago, but I don't know about Minnesota at the moment. If you Did like Minnesota, I don't know. Dan Bailey, I don't know that they even cut him yet. I mean, you got to cut How him. How did they not cut him? You have to cut like, him. He was solely responsible for, That's for right. Minnesota not covering that spread. I mean, I hate to be nitpicky yes. about points, but he was yeah. like, he was solely responsible for it. Ten points. Um, Three field goals and an extra point. Ten points. Yeah, yeah th- this feels like and, – and now if they're keeping them, well, this is going to screw up all sorts of strategy. You know, how often are they going to go for it at fourth down inside the 30? How often are they going to go for two-point conversions rather than kick the extra point? That's gonna that's gonna mean something. So I give me the Bears. Ooh, really? Points. They stink. Okay. Yeah. All well, right. I'm, I'll give you the Bears. I'm betting against Dan Bailey. All right. He's I don't know. I don't know half. if he's been cut. I do not know if you he's know, been cut. Right. If he's still on the team, give me the Bears. That's four points. Okay. Dan Bailey is the four points. Okay. All right. Yeah. New York All Jets. Right. Nigel, put yeah. this out there for you. The yeah, New York Jets are getting seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the road in Los Angeles. They're getting 17. They're getting 17 against the Rams. So what do you do if you're the Rams in this game? That's what I've been trying to figure out. Are you, are you treating it like a preseason? Are you trying to get Cam Akers more involved? Are you preparing for the playoffs with Cam Akers as your now lead running back and you want to get him more? I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out how, because they're going to call off the dog, right? They're not going to. Um, but that doesn't mean Cam Akers doesn't end up running for 220 yards and they, and, and they win this game 31 to three, you know, uh, I don't know. 17. I know your boy, Jeff Moss going to take them. Oh, right. I'm just on principle. I'll take the Rams. You know, there's I another will... stat and ask, ask Jeff Ma about this. So if you go back 30 years in point spreads, you blindly bet these double digit dogs. But if you only go back the last five years, Right when public when when basically, you know, ex- gambling's exploded. These double-digit favorites have a winning record now. Like with ever since the explosion of analytics and all of this stuff, where we have more information, you know, these double-digit spreads are more accurate today than they were 20 years ago. Is my point right? They're more they're more statistically sound, and so they're less sort of on the whim of the better. Um, anyway. These big point spreads, the favorites do better lately, is my point. So I'll take the Rams. Last week against Seattle, you know, where the spread was almost this high, didn't the Jets lose 41-3? to Wasn't it some ridiculous score? To a team with no defense. Remember, Seattle's defense right. is atrocious. And they the Rams are good. Three, three points? The Rams have Aaron Donald. The Rams are good. So I bet, yeah. um, I bet a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl about four weeks ago and got 20-1. to one. Oh, well, that's talking about the Chiefs. That's your next game. and the, They are a road favorite, but it's down from three and a half to three. They are at New Orleans. Drew Brees is not going to play, I don't believe. 
Um, New Orleans coming out of a loss, uh, a surprising loss, really. I, I, a lot of people didn't see that coming at all to Philadelphia. Kansas City wins by what they need to win by. Kansas City minus three. Will you take them? Um, yeah, only because I don't want to be against them. You know, this. I feel like that they are the point spread. Have you noticed? They, I mean, they're literally on their point spread every week. Yes. The last four or five weeks. Um, but this one, feel, I'm surprised it's only three. This is one of those where this is get, there's a lot of faith in Peyton, a lot of faith, I think, that, you know, they know what they're doing. And I don't get me wrong, they, uh, they do. and They show up in big games. Um, there's no doubt. But Kansas City. But look at that Dolphins game last week. That was a blowout. And then it all of a sudden wasn't. That's right. And they ended up not, um, they ended up not covering, right? They, they did not. They didn't cover? Yeah. They did not. They um, did not. So give me the Chiefs because uh, at least it's three. So at least I'll get a push. Okay. All right. Um, Seattle, here's the last one. Seattle is at the football team. Seattle is minus five and a half. The football team looked great. They did. They looked great. And two weeks in a row, they've looked really strong, not offensively, but defensively. Um, will, you take, will you take five and a half if, you're, if you like Seattle? We give five um, and a half, rather. Yeah. Boy, I'm with you. There's so many of these home dogs. But, of course, yeah. I think home field, home field is Doesn't mean basically been new, does, is meaningless right now. Um, I... I uh, I'm going to bet against the football team here reluctantly only because um, I think, A, Seattle has to win these games. They can't, they can't mess around here, um, number one. And I just – it's Dwayne Haskins? Who's starting? Uh, it looks like Dwayne Haskins? Haskins now. The, the latest reports is that that calf injury to the, to the bad leg is not going away yet. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I Chase Young, by the way, move over Aaron Donald. What do we think? The first defensive well, MVP? In the next three years? Jeez. He looks awfully good. I don't think, you know, the only thing that could hurt him is if he gets too many of those Mercedes-Benz that he's talking about all the time on TV. Yeah. Who's, uh, who does he remind – I mean, I, I, feel, I, I feel like we haven't seen anything like him. He's, he's real good. Than Lawrence, he's bigger than Lawrence Taylor. He's like, real good. Lawrence Taylor, that first year, you were like, oh, my God. We've yeah. never seen somebody like that. This is somebody wrote this the other day, and I think it's true. He's who we thought Jadavian Clowney would be. Oh, that's a good, yeah. yeah we somebody did. wrote that's it. That's right. Yeah. Well, because we so. saw Clowney one time make a great tackle in college. Yeah, against Michigan. And, and he, right. Right. And ESPN yeah. showed the highlight. We're like, oh, well, that guy's <laughs> yeah. the number one overall pick. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember, I remember uh, talking to Jason Whitlock about that, and Jason just said to me after he saw that, he said, oh, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything after that. That was his tackle. And then he was the number he was the number one overall pick, right? And he wasn't very good. Yeah. He won. So, he's, he's good. I think he's a good NFL player. He's yeah, but he five. wasn't great. Wasn't great. Yeah. He ain't going to the Hall of Fame. No. Um You enjoying Hanukkah? So far Hanukkah's been really good. We've lit the candles. Everything has been really nice. Um I'm waiting for Mitch McConnell to tell me that you know that we're gonna have a full eight days. You know, and I can I can go all the way to the end. What I'll just I'll ask you that one question. That is the concession, right? That's the flag. He's throwing the white flag now, right? It's over. It is. It's 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 over. Mitch is in charge. It, it, what's interesting is it's, 
it's McConnell has taken charge of the party and sort of he's, you know, sort of he's operationally in charge, but he doesn't have control of the of the heart of the party. And that's right. and that's still going to be Trump. So how that plays itself out uh, of sort of of Mitch versus Trump and on whether Trump turns on McConnell. I mean, he sort of lamely went after him last night. But for Trump, that was kind of soft. You know, he didn't go hard at him. But Trump could turn on him and could make McConnell's life miserable. So, um, and you, you are you serious? That, are you serious? Now, let me just say this sure. to you. Trump turns on everybody. That's what he does. He does. That's what he, he does. He'll he singles you out. Oh. He pushes everybody else out of the way so his eyes are just on you. And then he mm-hmm. cuts your legs off. That's what he does. Yeah. And he's never done it to McConnell. Okay. Well, he had never done it to Jeb Bush until he did it. Right. He no, that's d- what I say. No, oh, yeah. I agree, with, I agree with you. I'm just saying oh. I think it's inevitable that oh. Trump doesn't need McConnell anymore. Trump no. let McConnell do this, but he now doesn't need him. You know, he doesn't need him at all. And, I, you know, it's not a matter of if Trump turns on McConnell. It's when and how he does it. And how hard. And how hard. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think he's got, you know, I'm sorry. I think he's Araldus Chapman. I think he's got one pitch. <laughs> I think it's just, that's what he's got. Some days you hit it, and some days you don't. You know, I so. think that's, a, that's as good of an analogy as any. Well, uh, I'm a sports writer. I'm an idiot. I'm a sports writer. Thank you, Chuck. Talk to you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tony. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that would be more than enough. But this show strives for excellence with our simian friends, and we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Zoo. Sometimes he throws two. When he's had too much, Johnny Walker blue. All right, where's Reginald this week, and what are his games? Uh, how did Reginald do last week? Reginald did two and one. He's 18 and 23 overall. He had the best week. Both Jeff and Chuck had losing weeks. Yeah, he's getting close to 500, but he's still got a ways to go. No, he's got uh, a ways he, to go. He was Again, uh, looking for a big week. Yes. He's a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> he is a monkey. Well, when I went down to the National Zoo, he was actually on the phone talking to some representatives from India to arrange for a regiment of Langer monkeys to come over to the United States to take care of the feral swine problem. So clearly, Tremendous. Best interest in heart. He's so, on it. He's on yeah, it. Go ahead. He, is, he took a break from that uh, and, uh, to go with these games. The first game he gave him was uh, Buffalo minus six and a half at Denver. And this is a very interesting photograph he showed me of him building a log cabin with Marv Levy, Don Beebe, and Daryl Talley. So there clearly, you go. he's got ties. Go. He'll take the bills and give the six and a half. Taking the, next- the bills, going to the anchor bar, eating some wings. Go ahead. <laughs> Exactly. The next game we gave him, I don't think he could resist them. this one, was the Jets getting 17 at the Rams. Uh, and he showed me some newspaper clippings from the 1970s of him at Studio 54 with Joe Willie Namath, a very young John Riggins, and Emerson Boozer. So clearly he has ties to the Jets, and he will take those 17 points on the road. So many points. It's so many points. They really only need pretty much 10 points to cover. The Rams are not an explosive offensive team. They're not. Yeah, right, should be fun. Uh, and the final game again, of course, about the Washington football team uh, hosting Seattle, uh, getting five and a half. Uh, and this was just a nice uh, series of photographs of him 
uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail with Joe Jacoby, Clint Didier, and Joe Bugle. So, there you uh, go. Clint, yeah, got ties to the uh, the Washington football team, and so he'll take them in that match. I have so come to love the name Washington football team and love the logo from the first time I saw the it. Ski hats. Loved it. Just yeah, love it. Just love it. All right, that's good. We will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a solo stove ad. We did this the other day. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. Whether you're camping in the woods or at a backyard get-together, there's nothing like a roaring fire to bring you back to what matters. The things, digital distractions, and the frenzy of everyday life make too easy to forget. Warmth, brilliance, connection. Michael, you've used this yet? We haven't. We are still waiting to use this. Okay, so not so we don't have a story yet, because they want us to tell a solo stove story. Well, I was sort of hoping that I could bring it over here with, with the grandkids and Grandpa Tony could put on the gloves, yeah. light the fire in a safe way, because the best part about this is it, it, it's a safe way to distribute the heat. You can have the grandkids around, but we have not had that weather just yet. Carol's afraid to do it on the deck, because it's wood. Carol's afraid. That makes total sense. It's, it, it is a safe place to do it, but we can also do it down on the ground. We do it on the ground. Yeah. You know, and well, then, the, and but then is, the dog is going to walk into it. We don't need the dog. Well, we will be out, and this is a portable <clears throat> device, okay. so we can move it around. Solo stove creates story-worthy moments, fireside fumes not included. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you'll wonder how there's so much fire. No campfire smell on your clothes and hair, if you have hair. What's and great nothing- is we've received emails <laughs> and texts from friends of ours who have this, who go, it's totally true about the, the smoke-free, really? yeah. Yeah. Nothing left but ultra-fine ash for easy cleanup. Easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing in minutes. Take your solo stove with you on the road or set it up on your rooftop or backyard. And Solo Stove is so confident in their products, they give you a lifetime warranty for every purchase. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code TONY at checkout. Just go to solostove.com dot com s-o-l-o-s-t-o-v-e dot com and remember you get ten dollars off when you use the promo code tony so what are we saying people use the code you're listening to the tony kornheiser show So one of the guys that we've played golf with, uh, Michael and I, Andrew, is a graduate of Missouri, and he's a listener as well, and he's very happy when he hears the Missouri marching band play that song. Nigel, you want to do Bethesda Bagels? Oh, yes. Thank you very much, Mr. Tony. We love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Several locations in the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the store nearest you. Then head on in. And you, we're very pleased. We've got the bagels today. We've got the bagel sandwiches, the sausage sandwiches on Monday. So Don't always remind some- me. Yeah, very good. Oh, Michael sorry, didn't get it. And the lights are still on over at Johnny O, TK Lights. I'm not sure if you can get in time for Christmas. next week, but yeah. check it out. All right. So that that's... That, Nigel, you're, you're, you sound tinny. Your I microphone. Do? Yeah, you sound tinny. I don't know why. That'll do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and this is in honor of Jeannie McManus, want some whiskey <laughs> in your water, sugar in your tea? What's all these crazy questions they're asking me? This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on the lights because I don't want to see. Mama told me not to come. Jeannie hates Three Dog Night, as we know. 
Thanks to Jeannie for coming on the show today. Thanks to Chuck Todd. Thanks as well to our sponsors, HBO Max, Solo Stove, and the Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Um, from Jack in Erie, Pennsylvania, a friend of my parents, Kevin Caneo, writes a weekly odds and ends column for the Erie Times News. I thought you'd enjoy this excerpt from Monday about a time he interviewed Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager's recent death at 97 reminded me of a phone interview I had with him in 1985 after he published his memoir. When I mentioned that he seemed to interrupt a dramatic scene in the movie The Right Stuff, Yeager said, I know I did it on purpose. As the actor Sam Shepard, who played Yeager in the film, delivered a serious monologue, Yeager, who appeared as a bartender, could be clearly seen in the background mugging it up. The director was sore, but all the manufacturers of the products I endorsed in TV ads loved it, Yeager said. <laughs> From John Carnahan in Boonesboro, Maryland. While a student at the University of Maryland, I had the opportunity to meet General Chuck Yeager. The Smithsonian had a celebration around the 40th anniversary of his breaking the sound barrier in 1987. General Yeager spoke while sharing pictures in a small theater. I was lucky enough to get a seat only a matter of a few feet away. After a Q&A session, General Yeager shook hands and chatted with attendees. While I don't remember what he said, I'll never forget his handshake. Strong, deliberate, looked me right in the eye while he thanked me for coming in an unmistakable voice. He truly did have the right stuff. From Ryan Barwick in Greensboro, North Carolina, second time, long time. Really enjoyed your segment about Chuck Yeager and the right stuff. Hoping you could weigh in on a question which came to mind. Chuck Yeager, flying shirt or no flying shirt? I think Chuck Yeager was good. I think he was good without the flying shirt. From Matt in San Antonio, thank you for the discussion of Chuck Yeager. My dad, Ed Cole, was a fighter pilot. Yeager was a god in our house. I remember Matt, a dad, ripping open Yeager's biography one Christmas with such gusto that he tore the cover. I grew up with Yeager's question. Who's the best fighter pilot you ever saw as a regular refrain? The answer was dad. And he could back it up. Dad won Top Gun, the real thing. Eat it, Tom Cruise. He flew F-4s and F-16s, was a squadron commander during the Cold War, lettered as a pitcher at the Air Force Academy, and ran with a future NBA coach, future general officers, and future military head of NATO. He's retired now and for fun, flies his own aero commander, which he assures me can do flips and other combat maneuvers. So thank you for giving Chuck Yeago the hero's obit the Pope's denied him. For my dad, me, and thousands of Air Force brats like me, you triggered joy and warm reminiscences in this otherwise dreary year. I'm going to say this again about Chuck Yeager, okay? He broke the sound barrier. Nobody could have broken the sound barrier. He did it. Every one of those guys who was an astronaut in the original seven thought of Chuck Yeager as a god. He was the number one guy. How that doesn't start on A1 is beyond my comprehension. The number one pilot ever, the Wright brothers. Number two, Chuck Yeager. Number three, you fired. That's how it works. From Shad. And this is about Kip's weather forecast. Part fun, part hubris, part poppycock, part science, and part accurate. If Kip Snort calls for snow, then it's a good idea to make a tea time. Forget his colleagues. <laughs> Sheeman's so good, he's a five-caster. Um, this is a great one from Mike O'Brien in Boston, formerly Revere. You mentioned on Wednesday, on Wednesday's show about the Parker House Hotel. So this is last Wednesday. Little known fact about me, I'm a Boston duck boat tour guide. And Nigel, you know what that is. I've been on the oh, duck boats. Yes. You have too. Michael, yes. you've been on the duck boats. I hope I can be the oldest Boston tour guide to the Tony Kornheiser show. But the Parker House Hotel is the oldest continuous operating hotel in America. Sadly, due to COVID, they closed but later reopened so that honor might be bestowed on some other hotel. You mentioned the famous Parker House Rolls, but it's also where the original Boston cream pie was first served. I cannot confirm nor deny because I wasn't there. I'm just going off what somebody told me. 
But my favorite fact about the Parker house is that Malcolm X worked in the laundry room and Ho Chi Minh was a pastry chef there. When I tell people this on tour, they laugh like I'm telling a joke. How could I make up that Ho Chi Minh was a pastry chef in Boston, Massachusetts? If I made up somebody working there, I would say Reginald the monkey worked there. Sadly, due to COVID, I'm looking for a new job since my stand-up comedy side gig and tour guide job don't really hold up to COVID protocol. So if anyone in Boston is looking for an okay stand-up comedian and tour guide and former sports radio producer with zero real-world job skills and no college degree for a job, if you send them my info, I'd be grateful. That is a fabulous email about the Parker House, which is a true place and where the, I, I didn't know Boston cream pie. I certainly knew this other thing. Um, Brian from Fairfax, formerly Falls Church, I wanted to introduce the newest little, a masculine child, James Keegan LaCroix, born 19 November. Please let fellow littles Joe, James, Toms, and others know that mom and baby are doing well so I don't have to. While cleaning up to get ready for his 10 o'clock feeding, I was listening to the last pod when I heard the lead-in for Kip's winter weather forecast. I told the woman I'm related to by marriage that this was my favorite bit of the year, and I just listened in the other room before coming to bed, and she said, I'm just feeding James, so just come in and listen in bed. I warned her, are you sure? It's probably going over 20 minutes, and she said, it's fine. Fast forward to the baby is asleep, and she's exhausted. She says, why is this taking so long? How are we only to December? So thanks to you and the crew, we got one laugh out of her. And on the same topic, from John Rosens in Salinas, California. I thought nothing was interminable as this pandemic and its related lockdowns and quarantines. Then I listened to Kevin Sheehan's <laughs> winter weather forecast. Can I do one more on that? Uh, yes. From Mark in Cape May, New Jersey. I am writing this email from my hospital bed. On Wednesday, my wife came into my home office and immediately called 911. Apparently, I was unconscious, slumped over my desk and bleeding from the ear. After two CAT scans, my doctor came into my hospital room to inform me I had not suffered an aneurysm, nor do I have a brain tumor. The doctor asked me what happened, and I informed him I was listening to Tony Kornheiser's podcast on Wednesday when Kip's winter weather forecast came on. The next thing I remember, I woke up in this hospital bed. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here?